Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Okay, we are back for the Blue White Breakdown. Bob Flounders, Dave Jones, fresh off his Penn State men's basketball tour. Hey, Dave, uh, Penn State football. Eight or nine days from the blue-white game, one of your favorites Saturdays of the year. But there was a little bit of news this week I want to get to with you because actually uh, Johnny McGonigal sniped this. Uh, We had a podcast a day ago, and he talked about they were going to try and add a running back, and he actually mentioned Potts, Trey Potts from Williamsport, former Golden Gopher. Millionaire. Yeah, he's a millionaire. Uh, He is now. He's going to come to Penn State. And great fit, I'm sure. James Franklin feels better. But you know a little bit about this. He's a big back, three-star guy. And he's. I, th- I think you know exactly what you're going to get in Trey Potts if he takes the field. He's, he's a guy that's going to punish you between the tackles a little bit. Talented player. We'll see how it goes. I'm sure he wanted more from his career at Minnesota uh, when he left. He was recruited, I think, by uh, a lot of Eastern schools and then Minnesota over on the, uh, in the West. And that was uh, probably the best deal he could get at the time. Doesn't do any one thing spectacularly. Like you, you're not going to say he's a th- he's a third down back necessarily. You're not going to say he's going to hurt you out of the backfield catching passes. But what he is is a perfect complementary back, and he showed that he can carry the mail too if he has to. If somebody of Singleton or uh, Allen gets hurt, he can come in and and he can give you 20 carries. And he showed that when Mohammed Ibrahim, who I think was the best back in the league, uh, went down a couple of years ago. Trey Potts checked in there and 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 boom, 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 three hundred yard games, and then he got hurt. Uh, this was two years ago, so we we still don't know exactly what what the what happened to him. Some sort of internal injury. It was pretty serious because uh, they carted him out of there through the back way through uh, TCB Bank Stadium, or what is it, TC, TCBY Yogurt Stadium. I can't remember what it's called. They got him out of there, and no one really saw him, uh, what exactly was wrong with him, but it, I'm pretty certain it was an internal injury anyway. Took him a little time to get up to speed. Uh, last year, he never quite, a little better during the end of the season, but maybe he needs a fresh start, and he will be a complimentary back. I don't think there's any way you can construe this is him taking Allen or Singleton's job. I think he knows that coming in. Maybe he can put up some numbers in backup roles, complementary roles that make him uh, valuable to the NFL. I think that's what he's thinking of. Yeah, he's a nice – he's he's at, at the very least, he's a nice little insurance policy for James. They got two run, running backs they really like that are – really good but they don't really have anything behind them and they get two they got two freshmen coming in in August but I think James would be a little bit more comfortable uh with somebody like Potts who is a little bit ready to go in terms of whether it's pass protection you know short yardage he's he is proven 
Dave, the other thing is, I mean, this is a, this is a move you definitely make, I think, when you know you're sitting on a good hand. And James, James Franklin knows that, you know, he, he's, he's got a lot of talent at a lot of different places. And I think that, you, you know, if you can get somebody like Trey Potts to come in and, and, and be a factor if he needs to be or to win a game or to close out a game or just to give those young guys a rest in the second half of blowouts, I think it all makes sense. And the kid, I think, wanted to come closer come back closer to Pennsylvania. He had a, a bunch of family members at the at the uh, Minnesota game this year uh, at Beaver Stadium. So I, I think it's a really good fit. I think James knows what he's getting in him. And I think that that's one more thing he can cross off the list of maybe concerns going into the season. Now he's got a little bit of a burst. It's not like this guy's just a plugger. He knows the landscape. He knows every team in this league. He's played quite a bit. And he is a. it's a very good get. Uh, if you can get a guy like that out of the portal, give him a fresh start sometimes, especially a year after trying to recover from an injury, that ends up being a, a really good player for you. So we'll see. But on the surface of it, looks like a really good get for Franklin. Plus, if anything, you know, knock on wood for, for these young guys, but uh, if anything would happen to one of those top two, he goes from being a, a nice insurance policy to being a very necessary piece of that running game because that's what an insurance policy is. I mean, he's shown he can do it, and I think he can do it. Yeah. Uh, hey, one thing I wanted to ask you about it—it it came out a little bit a while. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, uh, Bruce Feldman early March came out with his uh, top twenty-five coaching rankings nationally, and uh, James Franklin checked in at number five. Pretty fair ranking. Ryan Day was right behind him, uh, I think, at number six. Watching what James did last year, uh, how they kind of turned the corner, the way that they were able to play, the way that he's been able to recruit. Any any issue with him being a top five coach? In oh, Bruce is always, you know, I'm a big Bruce Feldman fan, but everyone has their, I wouldn't call them biases or prejudices, but they have their guys they really like. and. When Bruce does that list, he's talking about being an overall CEO. And okay. I mean, but I don't see how you can rank him over Ryan Day. To me, that's <laughs> preposterous. So, you know. Uh, you, I just want to, just so you know, the, the, the list is pretty formful for, through most of the top 10. But I did want to point out to you that your guy, Lance Leopold, checked in at number 10. Bruce had him at number 23. At this time last year, now up to number 10. Do you really have a predisposition to mispronouncing names on purpose, don't you? Yeah, you do, I do that all the I time. I do. I do. Any IE name, you purposely mispronounce the, it. Just to, it. I feel like it irritates somebody on this podcast, not <laughs> me. <laughs> not me. Maybe maybe Brett, Brett Bilemma, as you call him, but not me. You're a little irritated about it, so I'm going to keep going back to that well. But Lance has got to be a guy now. I mean, maybe maybe Kansas will become uh, something more than it is, but uh, he's got to be a guy that's going to be a national guy real, real soon. Well, he could have he could have been one last year during, as Franklin calls it, silly season. He was in the game for a lot of jobs. It's just that, I mean, he he was in the game for the Wisconsin job. It's just that he's the kind of guy. He's he's Frank Solich as far as interviews. He's just he's he's a lot like that. He's just never going to be a boom pow hire, a kind of guy you can sell to a fan base and get everyone excited. 
he's never going to be that guy, and that will be his ceiling, I'm afraid. So he's Snyder at Kansas State. You remember what what kind of shape that program was in? And when did he come to Kansas State? Can't think. Uh, I'm just remembering when he – I'm trying to remember when Nebraska really started to take that team seriously. It was – it would have been, Dave, in the early to mid-90s that they really started to get it together. It came out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean, Bill Snyder did it with JC transfers at the time. It was a whole different landscape. Michael Bishop. Yeah, and he brought in a lot of guys who were who were juniors or seniors and had been around and maybe had some skeletons in their closets as far as grades or whatever, but he was a miracle worker. That was the the most incredible reclamation project along with Rutgers the first time around and Northwestern with Gary Barnett, I think in the history of college football. And Lance Leipold's that kind of guy. He can do that. But I think he has a ceiling. I mean, Bill Snyder really never won anything at Kansas State. He he he. The closest he came was they were and weren't they in the Big Twelve title game in '98? They got beat by. They were pretty heavy underdogs. And they choked. No, two thousand, two thousand. Yeah, it was it was right around there. I don't know if it was A and M or somebody really got them, and that it was a, it was a devastating loss. I guess it was '98, and they ended up playing Purdue. They lost like one game, and then they played Purdue in the Alamo Bowl, and they didn't show up. And <laughs> That was they were that was the closest they ever got to serious national implications, but Leipold could stay there twenty years and just keep making Kansas productive and competitive, and that's I mean there's something to say for that. There's nothing wrong with that. Kind of like Steve Peichel is making Rutgers basketball relevant. Uh, will Rutgers ever win the Big Ten? I I, I don't know, but. They're always going to be competitive and, and tough, and Leipold can do that for Kansas football, which has been an absolute tire fire forever. Yep. Okay, Just and one other thing. Uh, your guy Jim Harbaugh was number four, Franklin five, Ryan Day six. So there's there there's there that goes. I would rather read uh, Bruce about quarterbacks, and I found his – I know this – we're getting ahead of the game, but I, I found his quarterback rankings – uh, coming into the NFL draft, very, very revealing and, and insightful because he gets scouts. He gets a lot of college coaches to talk to him off the record and tell him the truth. He's got C.J. Stroud, number one, man. I mean, uh, very clearly. I think that's pretty interesting considering that uh, Carolina's got Frank Reich there now. That could be a really good fit. But I don't, I don't – what do they have on the offensive line? Not much, the Panthers. The Panthers did just take somebody in the first. They they still have a couple other uh, off. They they got to get a little bit better on the offensive line for sure. Okay, yeah. Well, I I agree with him. I think C.J. Stroud is better than Bryce Young. He's certainly Bryce Young's really good, but he's God. He's so small. Is he, is he even really five ten? I would I would say no. I, Eventually, I would. what's going to happen to those guys is what's happening now to Kyler Murray. And Kyler Murray's kind of a knucklehead, so there's that. But it doesn't matter how quick they are. If they're that small, somebody's going to mash them eventually, and then it's it's a problem. I, I really like C.J. Stroud. I think he's cool, under pressure, really can dissect these defenses. Uh, I think he's going to be a terrific pro. So that would be my choice. Yeah, so I think I think Dave, correct me if I'm wrong. He had Stroud one, Young two, Clifford three. I think in his quarterback rankings, is that right? I'm not. I'm not partaking in your snarky nonsense. I won't do it. I can't do it. 
You can be pretty snarky when you want to. Let me, let's just roll the tape back on a couple of these podcasts, my man. Were you there when uh, when Clifford was upset about not being invited to the conference? I was, I was right there when I heard. Did you it. ask all the questions or just two or three of there them? Are, there were. A, it was. It was a question that he was. I was stunned at the response. I mean, I. He was ready for it, but I don't even know that I would have thought about asking him about it. But he was so upset that it kind of became like, and then he just kept building on it and building on it and building on it. I'm like, oh, okay. Hey, I like it. I like it. I mean, whatever, hey, whatever motivates the kid. I mean, that's right. uh, And he probably, he's definitely one of those guys, Dave, that I can joke about it, but he is Mr. Determined. You can just tell he's already a, he's already a success off the field and he, if he if he gets a bee in his bonnet so to speak he, he is gonna do whatever it takes to shove it right up somebody's you know what and make an NFL team any way possible so now I, I don't think I bet against the guy where did you hear bee in his bonnet is that Scranton or what that is that's something I think I heard back in the like the 80s I think my mom might have said that but, uh, you know there have been much lesser talents who've had long lucrative careers in the NFL. I think of Brian Hoyer out of Michigan State. How about McGloin? Yeah, well, I'm, Brian Hoyer, though, is, isn't he still playing? He's still, yes, he you is. Know? He's still yeah, playing. I was Hoyer and Bobby Hoying a little bit confused, but you're right. <laughs> yeah. Brian Hoyer, is. I think he's still in the league. Yeah, he's like he 39. Yeah, he just, I think he's with the Raiders now. I mean, there's other guys who who just kind of hung around and got a check. So if you prove that you're competitive, and you can be functional. You can have a long career as a backup. There's nothing wrong with that. Todd Collins. Remember Todd Collins? I mean, he was in the league for like 14 years out and of Michigan. Don Strzok. How about Don Strzok? <laughs> Where did Don Strzok come from? I don't even remember. I don't know. I just remember that he was like the guy when, when, when the Dolphins had that guy. Was it David Woodley? And they had that great. They had the killer B defense, but they couldn't really trust Woodley. They would they give the ball to Don Strock for two series, and he scored ten points and they win. Eighty four Super Bowl, right? David Woodley started it. No, no, the 80, 80, 80 it was the, it was the year that Rigo got him on fourth and one. I think it was the eighty two season, eighty three. Eighty two, yeah, yeah, strike yeah. year, strike yeah. year, Dave. David Woodley, yeah, LSU. If you did a list of Super Bowl starting quarterbacks. Would he be at the bottom? Dave, you know who started at Super Bowl V. <laughs> I just threw it up. I threw it underhand knowing you'd hit it out of the park. Craig Morton. Craig Morton will always be your whipping boy. He started for the Broncos against Dallas in Super Bowl Twelve and just got – he's the reason why Randy White and Harvey Martin won the co-MVP. I think Norris Weiss. Norris Weiss came in and actually scored the only (laughs) – he led him on the only touchdown drive. (laughs) Big day for you. I know that was. It was a big day. Terrible Super Bowl. Very, very – Yeah, but but an exhibit of how – what a great defensive front the Cowboys had. Holy crap. Harvey Martin in his glory. Too uh, tall, Ed Jones. too mean, yeah. Ed Jones, oh, yeah. all of yeah. those. Larry Cole, underrated. Nasty guys. defense, yeah. The, forgotten, 1977. I feel like we've gotten off the rails here, Dave. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different. 
and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. I did want to get back to one thing because of you're in the know when it comes to Penn State men's basketball. I think it's pretty clear. And I just wanted to get I wanted to get your uh, just your thoughts on on what Mike Rhodes has been able to do. Number one, with the staff that he he brought in and any any thoughts on that. And also, um, I know there are some transfer portal targets he might have a shot at. Is there anything you could share on that front as he tries to kind of find his footing in his first year? At well, the the. the- the portal is an interesting place, uh, especially because Penn State's losing a lot of guys right now and no announcements of any any guys coming in. The The big gem that everyone wants out of VCU where Rhodes was coaching is Ace Baldwin, Adrian Ace Baldwin, um, who's a terrific lead guard. Uh, if, if he gets Ace Baldwin, then Kanye Clary is probably out to shoot too. So that would be everyone leaving the team. Um, Kebajai uh, entered the portal a couple days ago. Evan Mahaffey, who would be a very big loss, entered last week. He's not keeping too many guys, so he'd better be getting a couple of guys from VCU. Nothing is broken yet. I, I imagine it's tied to NIL because everything is these days. You're not just looking for a good coach in a good school. You're looking for you know, what's, what's in it for me. And I would be too. And so would you, anyone who bitches about that, or says, I hate NIL. Well, what would you be doing? And who is the product in college, college athletics? Uh, So there's that. As far as the coaches, you know, the big news is Joe Crispin is going to be on the staff, which is a kind of a, (laughs) he's kind of a strange mix in that, you know, Joe is, going to be an offensive assistant. Um, he's going to do a lot of work with offensive game planning. And it's not like Mike has run schemes that don't take advantage of pace and tempo and all that. But Joe has some very hard-wired <laughs> philosophies about how offensive basketball ought to work. And it's almost like a if you know anything about motion offense, it's almost like a speed motion offense where the players are given a lot of leeway to make decisions on the fly. And it's just basic principles about diagonal passes and cutting and moving. And everyone moves very fast. And I would hope that they're on the same page with that because Joe Crispin is going to be hurt. <laughs> he has very definite opinions on how it ought to work, and I think he's ultimately got to be a head coach as he was at Rowan, and he will be, but for the time being, he's going to be scouting opposing defenses and implementing schemes and teaching craft, and um, the parameters of his position say that he can engage in anything normal in coaching. He just can't recruit on the road. That's what he's not allowed to do. So he is a very interesting hire because I think he's going to dominate all offensive philosophy. And they will probably come to some loggerheads uh, on several occasions about uh, philosophy and what they want to do, because he gives his players a lot of leeway. He believes in the players ultimately making all decisions about what's going on in the court and trusting them to make those decisions because they've been well taught to begin with. 
he he believes in stream of consciousness. And and if you look at Big Ten basketball, it's so overcoached in a lot of ways. It's what happens to uh, they've got really good coaches, but they they're they're too hands on. You saying Tom Izzo's a hands on coach, Dave? Yeah, and so is Matt Painter, and so are the all all the best coaches in the league. Izzo gives his guys a little bit of leeway. I just think there are so many guys who who dominate. College basketball has always been a coach's game simply because they held all the power. Well, that's going away. Uh, it's gone away. So why not revise your philosophy in the direction of Joe Crispin? I think he has the right idea. You acquiesce in a certain way because they're getting paid now. They have more power. It used to be uh, you could hold a kid's grant over his head and say, my way or the highway. You can't do that anymore with the train. like Robbie Benson in one-on-one. You, you can't do that anymore, the transfer portal, because it, it was almost like the before the reverse re, reserve clause in Major League Baseball. You signed a, a letter of intent and you were stuck there, not just for the year we were playing, but for another year after. For a long time, that was true. And none of that's true anymore. So why not let the players make the right decisions if they make the right decisions? You know, pull them if they don't. But that's going to be an interesting dynamic uh, moving forward in Penn State basketball. Dave, I looked at the I looked at a shot on social media of the Penn State coaching staff, and it, is it just me or one guy looked like a dead ringer for Phil Martelli? I don't know if you saw it. <laughs> I don't know if you're aware of that. Is there, can you confirm anything about that? As as, as a, as a uh, yes, his son is on the staff. I, I as a joke, <laughs> you know what? You're a joke. Get out of here. Uh, as a joke, I can't say joke anymore without doing Howard Eskin living. Here I'm for, still for waiting for that. I, I guarantee you. You could write a great story about Howard Eskin, and you guys would probably get into it. When he quits. Then he would respect it. He would respect it. When he quits. When he quits. And he's never going to quit. So, you know, (laughs) I'll be dead by the time that story is ready to go. (laughs) Jimmy Martelli, somebody said, it wasn't you, was it? He said if he wanted to go out. Oh, I know who it was. said if he wanted to go out for Halloween, all he'd have to do is, like, grow his hair out on the sides and then shave it. (laughs) And he could go out as his dad. Wow, there is, there is, it's, it's striking the uh, resemblance. It really is. Yeah, he, uh, uh, he, he had a little bit of a tough time at Rutgers. I think he's overcome that. And um, he's a very dynamic guy. He's a little more hot blooded than, not that his dad isn't, but his, you know, Phil is very calm on the sidelines, always with his hands behind his back like this. Just, just. I think that's the image he likes to project. Yeah, right. That's what I think. Yeah. The funny way he gets into referees is is very calm, and and refs just don't like it if you're too demonstrative. If you sit sit back, you stand back and say, "Is that the kind of call you're going to make all night?" Is that kind of that? just like that? Then they don't get too upset. Just don't show them up, and that's always been Phil's. Philosophy. I thought the refs really enjoyed Kim Mulkey though in that LSU. What uh, the hell? <laughs> I knew I knew that would trigger you. Like, how do you, how do you get away with that? that? Like a mummer. You know that. She dresses like she came out of the Mummers Parade, and she was on the, on the court the whole game. She ran into a guy. She was like, get out of my way. I'm trying to, I'm trying to see the game to a, to a ref along the sideline. No T, no T, no technical. Bill Martelli would not do that. But does Jimmy, what, what do you, have you had a chance to talk to Jimmy at all, or what do you think of him? I have not. I mean, it's been a long time. I think. Uh, we, you know his dad pretty well, correct? Yeah, and I talked to, I talked to Phil about this staff uh, like three or four days ago. 
and because I knew he would know everybody. He knows it. He knows everyone anyway, but especially guys. And and what he said was that they're all. And this wasn't on the record, but there's no reason it couldn't have been. It's like that 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 they're all really good dudes. That they they work really hard, and that they're going to work hard here, and that they're they're first class type of individuals. And uh, he likes that about Mike, and he he thinks Mike's terrific. Mike, you know, again, Mike Rhodes is not going to be a sexy hire that maybe some Penn State fans wanted. But they are always, like Steve Peichel's teams, they are always going to be in every game because their defense is so good. He's like a, a fundamentally sound version of, of a Pat Chambers team because they're always, their defense is always going to keep them in games. And in the end, there's no, there aren't enough Penn State basketball fans, who, the Penn State fans who really love basketball, that they're going to know any different as long as, as they win games. You know, if they win games, they're going to be, we are, and then, you know, everything is going to be fine. So they don't care if it, it's 61 to 54 as long as they win games. And there will be some 61-54 games in, in this this regime. But next year is looking really grim, and it might have been with Micah Shrewsbury too. There's just too much turnover in this team. You've, got, you've lost basically everybody. Uh, Seth Lundy declared for the NBA draft, who I think is going to be – he's going to stick in the NBA and be a player in that league for a while. I think he's clearly the one NBA talent on that team. And maybe Andrew Funk off the, you know, as, as a hired gun, 12-minute-a-game shooter. Wait, did you see enough of them to know about Andrew I Funk? Did, I, I, honestly, I, I'm, I was like probably the, the Penn State bandwagoners. I didn't even get interested, Dave, until, until the very end. I can't. Well, you can't did see the A&M part. game. Did you watch the A&M game? I saw part of it, yeah. That was, uh, that, that was quite an exhibition. Yeah, well, he's got a little Kyle Korver in him, J.J. Redick. And in fact, um, Brian Anderson compared him to J.J. Redick during the game because that's what it was like. Catch and shoot, catch and shoot, catch and shoot, careen off screens really fast, get the, get the feet organized and, and up and it's gone. Uh, anyone can use that, especially when they, sh- they shoot from deep. So I think Andrew Funk could get a chance in the NBA. Uh, Jalen Pickett, probably not so much, but interesting, interesting team. But the problem is they're all gone. <laughs> it was going to be tough for Shrewsbury. It's going to be tough for for Mike. Okay, Dave, we had a we had a full menu on this on this podcast. We started out talking about Penn State football, James Franklin's ranking, Lance Leipold. Did I get that right, Dave? No, Leipold. Get it right. We talked about Trey Potts. Sean Clifford made an appearance uh, on this podcast. We got to Craig Morton, one of the worst starting quarterbacks I've ever seen in my life and we we've kind of been able to navigate it back towards basketball mike rhodes phil martelli's son jimmy joe crispin right joe crispin not right. john crispin right that's the one i i was i always get scared i'm going to mention the wrong one we kind of did a, a like a travelogue of of your favorite big 10 quarterbacks <laughs> we didn't mention graham mertz but everybody else yeah. He's at Florida. I don't know. If, I'm telling you, if he tur- if he turns into some kind of star at Florida, <laughs> I don't know. It's gonna. I don't know that how I'm gonna take it. I'm not. What about Spencer Petrus? What do you I'm, think? <laughs> I'm not gonna take it well, Dave. I'm not gonna take it well. But uh, you know what, Spencer Petrus, I thought he did what he could in Brian Ferentz's system. Uh, I don't know what uh, Cade McNamara is gonna be able to do in Brian Ferentz's system, but. 
I do know that they're coming to Penn State this year, Dave, and there's a good chance that could be a night game, I think. It might even be the whiteout game. Don't you worry. I will remind the Penn State fans about all of the booing and complaining they did two years ago about Penn State players taking a dive to stop Iowa's up-tempo. You know, I reverse-engineered all that, and they were all real injuries. You know, you remember that, right? I know, but that's not going to stop anyone from asking Ferentz about it. That was a nasty, drunken crowd out there, wasn't it? it? Well, it was a drunken crowd. Um, (laughs) Drunken and nasty often go hand to, you know, often go We've always thought Iowa was such nice people, uh, but that was not – they are nice people usually. No, I think Iowa people are nice to Iowa people. I don't know. Maybe no. That's not true. I mean, I was just in Des Moines, and the the guy in the the shuttle bus out to the airport would not quit talking. He was just being nice. Yeah, Yeah. that's just one person, though, Dave. No, they're all like that, except when they get a little liquor in them, and then a little liquor things happen. A little liquor was the shuttle guy drinking. No, but he was just like six in the morning. All I want to do is get to the airport. How do you like our city? Here's a nice view of the Capitol. Yeah. Well, had he been drinking and driving, I'm pretty sure he would have been angry. <laughs> he was like 71. He was the nicest guy in the world. I just didn't. I was just glad I was in the vehicle. It was 20 degrees and 40 mile an hour winds out there. I, I, 71 is the new 41 in Iowa. Like, just get used to it. Not um, for me, buddy. All right. All right, Dave, we'll chat next week as we get closer and closer to the blue-white game, one of your favorite events of the year. I can't wait to talk about it next week with you. This has been the Blue-White Breakdown, brought to you by Live.